This is still freaking fun. Yeah. Our one listener, Katie. Yeah. Oh, that's our one listener? Yeah. She said that uh, <laughs> she loved listening to it. So shout out to Katie. <laughs> shout out to Katie. I love it. Okay, so get us started. All right. Welcome to Infinite Insights, the podcast designed for all TK-12 math teachers. And that includes you, elementary teachers. And I am Dwayne Habecker. I'm the math coordinator for Merced County Office of Education. And I'm Maggie Peters, math consulting teacher for the Rincon Valley School District up here in sunny Southern California, no, sunny Northern California. Fortunately, this is not a geography podcast, so it's okay, Maggie. It doesn't really roll off the puck as well, funny. Northern California. Northern California, no, but it's summer and it's hotter than heck. It is. Every other week, Maggie and I are going to share a new math research study or an article or some other mathy thing, and we're going to talk it over. We're going to bounce ideas off each other, and we're going to think about how to implement those things in the classroom. Awesome. (laughs) Sort of. It's kind of a rough start, but that's okay. (laughs) Oh, my. I was going to ask you, how are you doing? But I think I know how you're doing now. (laughs) Clearly, I might need some more coffee. (laughs) I'm not really working with the brain, so we'll see how it goes. We're good. Is it hotter than Hades up there? Um, It's about 110. Oh, my gosh. So at least it that's is, what my car said when I got into it today. So it's it's only 107 down here in Merced. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> I thought it felt a little brisk and breezy down here. So <laughs> now I know. Now you're stealing our good weather. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh. oh man! So Dwayne, what are we going to talk Yo. about this week? Okay, so here's. This is legit. Here's a thing I run into a lot. So, you know, you and I, we support a ton of districts using Eureka Math or Engage New York, whatever you want to call it. And uh, as coaches, you and I, one of the most common questions that we get asked is from teachers. They're saying like, what am I supposed to do with my students who are struggling or how do I differentiate for them? And you know, I think our answer that the best answer we could give is really an unsatisfying answer for the teacher. And basically, our answer is, well, how do you differentiate for your students? Avoid needing to differentiate for them in the first place. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what does that mean? And how does one do that? And it, it's such a it's such a simple answer, and yet it's a hard thing to do. And the answer is, We need to use universal design for learning or UDL. Okay. So I actually took, or I went to a conference last year and um, took a class there by a woman named Katie Novak, who right now is kind of the top guru in UDL. So I have a little bit of background um, for it, but I feel like you've used it a lot more than I have. So... Explain to me what that is. Okay, this is the blind leading the blind. So we're going to be a team here and we're going to bounce ideas off of each other. Okay. And the four listeners out there are going (laughs) to, hopefully they're going to listen in. Hi, four listeners. Hi, four listeners. Mom. (laughs) Okay, so there's three teachers and my mom. I know. Um, (laughs) And, you know, we're going to... 
I, I think we're going to bounce ideas off of each other and hopefully really start a conversation so that people can and can write in to us, leave a review on iTunes or something, asking questions because I think it would be arrogant for you and me to try and tell everybody what UDL is because it's a I think it's a work in progress. So mm-hmm. let's just bounce ideas. Okay, so so let's start with some definitions, right? So you've got UDL or Universal Design for Learning, and and then you've got Differentiated Instruction or DI, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of our teachers are going to be using the 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 words differentiated instruction. And really, I think what they want, even though it's harder to do, what they want is universal design for learning. And here, here's, here's the difference, right? So they both have the common goal of meeting the individual needs of our students, all right? So that all of our students can access that high quality content. And, and it's really, it's the role of the teacher to kind of bounce around and assess student progress during learning and, and adjust every just as adjust as needed right so that's where they have a, a common thread right they're both designed to meet the needs of our students so that our students can get that high level content right okay. we're not going to dumb anything down for our, our struggling students but the big difference is really between udl and di is when and how those student differences are addressed. So differentiated instruction, the teacher is modifying content and the process in response to what she is seeing the student is needing in in the classroom during the instruction, right? Mm-hmm. The Whereas UDL is this, this proactive framework for the teacher to proactively customize and create lessons that are going to meet the broadest range of students, meet the needs of our broadest range of students right from the get-go. So the way I think of it, like like in a nutshell, what does this mean? So UDL proactively uh, evaluates the classroom instruction and, and plans ahead of time to meet everybody's needs, whereas DI is this reactive behavior um, in response to the students who kind of walk into the classroom. Does that make sense? I think so. And so Katie Novak, she uses, or she used in this class, um, a really cool analogy to kind of help paint that picture that you just explained. Um, And and maybe you can add on to it a little bit, but she was saying um, UDL and DI are different. And so, Um, let's pretend we're at a dinner party and she's preparing, she's going to say serve spaghetti. Okay. Um, and so she, she's going to serve everybody spaghetti. Um, Mm -hmm. but then she remembers that she has a friend who's gluten free and then she has a friend who's also, um, a vegetarian. So the spaghetti that she was going to have has to be different for those two people. So then she's having to like kind of put, pull together some other meals as well to help make them feel at home. Um, So that would be like the differentiated instruction part of it. Um, But then a couple days later, she realized that was way too much work. And so she did it, 
she had another dinner party where she used the practices of UDL. And that was like, all right, everybody is going to um, come and eat some sort of pasta, but I'm going to have some gluten-free pasta. I'm going to have um, some, you know, I don't know, squiggly pasta um, for everybody that I'm going to have something else like an ice cream salad. And then people can put their own toppings on kind of like a buffet. <laughs> um, but she okay. did it before they got there instead of when they arrived and told her, Oh, I'm gluten free. I'm so sorry. You know, so it's kind of like, let's give them all the options and they can choose what to eat versus, um, let me give you the options of what you're going to eat. Does that make nice. sense? Yeah, actually. Okay, so one of my earlier understandings of UDL versus DI was uh, like a Venn diagram. Because anytime you're comparing two things, it's like, duh, a Venn diagram kind of pops into my mind. How common core of you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so in that... Uh, uh, there's definitely overlap between UDL and DI, right? The, mm -hmm. the, they have that common goal of meeting, you know, allowing all students to have access to that high-level content. But whereas the the UDL the UDL only portion of the circle, um, my big label is that is where we're going to fix the lesson. And that's where we're going to write a lesson that meets the needs of everybody. And that's kind of like your buffet. Mm -hmm. And then the DI side is really talking about fix the student. And that's what you're talking about in terms of like the customized meals per each person. It's like, let's, let's fix each kid and, and let's give exactly each kid exactly what they need. Whereas, um, I, I don't know. I think the point of this episode is, is I, I want teachers to be thinking about the UDL side that let's be proactive let's meet the needs of everybody up front by providing a big old huge educational buffet mm -hmm. so to speak um, you know the benefit of that is it allows students to do the picking and the choosing at the buffet table of what right. they of what they need and, and it that's allows an important part too I think because if if one of the students or one of your dinner guests brings something to complement pasta, you're not going to say, no, 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 I didn't provide that, so you can't put it on my table. You're going right. to say, well, let's integrate that in with everything else. So the students can also bring in some of those learning. Yeah, and that's like the uh, authority and autonomy that we want our students to be developing, right? We want them to be... Um, motivated learners and responsible learners for you know for themselves right 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 which is That's cool part of the principles of of udl correct <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, you brought that up so let's talk about that so yeah. for a, a teacher who's listening to this podcast and they're like what the heck is udl you still haven't really told me what it is so Again, it's this framework, and there's really only three principles to this mental model that I want my teachers to be thinking about. So they're they're going into a lesson, and if I I want my student my teachers to be thinking about these three principles, which are engagement, representation, and expression. So let let me tell you what those are and parse them out a little bit. So 
But the idea is, if I have a teacher going into the lesson with those three principles in mind, I kind of know we're like 90% of the way towards meeting the needs of all of our kids. So let's let's dig deep into each of these principles, right? Okay. So engagement, so, that's like making it fun, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's That's where our goal is to create motivated learners. And, and it doesn't mean just, hey, let's play a game and have some silly songs and stuff like that. It, it's deeper than that. And, and really what we're trying to do is we're trying to pr- create um, purposeful, motivated learners that those students are become um, like metacognitively aware of how to sustain their own efforts and how to continue being, uh, how to persevere and it, it's a way of organizing your classroom so that students can maintain the engagement and uh, focus right so there's things that the teacher can do and there's also specific things and then there's things that um, the, like the buffet table that the teacher can lay out and allow the student to pick and choose um, in order for him to stay engaged in the classroom and we'll do do you want to do examples now or you want to do the examples later? No, I think since we're talking about it, I think an example would be great right now. Okay, so <laughs> you're like, because I have Cause no I need idea one. what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I've got my hook, but I don't think that's quite what engagement is in this aspect because, yeah. This is okay, hard. Doing some, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so like, okay, so, the, the big thing for in terms of these examples, right, is I don't want the teachers to be thinking that UDL is this whole nother th- layer of things that the teacher has to think about. It's not. These UDL strategies are common sense things that teachers already do. We just want teachers to be aware of this potential buffet and make sure that the teachers are laying out uh, a well-represented uh, represented, uh, buffet of a variety of things in all three principles, all right? So they're not really magical strategies. They're things that teachers already do. So specifically for engagement, right? Things to keep that kid motivated and engaged. Mm-hmm. So there's things like um, alternative seating. So you might do a little bit of floor time with your kiddos and and then get the kids standing up and doing something at the wall. And then then you might have them move to their tables, their desks, right? So you are are increasing engagement by varying the alternative seating. In fact, even when it's um, individual practice time, some students might go to the floor to work in partners, while others might stay at their desks and work by themselves. Others might work in a group of three at the whiteboard. Mm-hmm. So that's that's an example of engagement. There's others, things like Socratic seminar, providing that as, a, as an engagement technique. Um, and I'll and tell we, you that kids love Socratic seminars. Yeah, in uh, fact, that, that should be a, a future podcast. I think so too. Like. I feel like if you're EL, if you're anything, like you struggled, you're the top of the class, it's a place where everyone can access the material. Yeah, exactly. And then other things 
for like maintaining engagement. Some of this is is for the students to self monitor, right? Is uh, a rubric for their own persistence uh, hmm. that you give the students and they can self monitor, uh, think, pair, share, peer tutoring, using a timer and all these things are simple strategies that the teacher can lay out as a buffet for ways to maintain teacher uh, student engagement, right? So the first pillar, the first principle is engagement. The second principle is representation. Okay. And that's where we're trying to create resourceful and knowledgeable learners. And that's how we um, present information in a variety of ways. And, and so examples like normal everyday classroom examples of that would be, well, maybe one day you use a three act math lesson or you might uh, allow students text to speech if they're having a hard time reading mm. the, those word problems. Um, allowing students to choose which math manipulative they're going to use. Like instead of just, hi kids, today we're going to learn fractions, so I'm going to take out pattern blocks. You know, rather than that, which is, that's a differentiated instruction approach. UDL is saying, here's some pattern blocks, here's some color tiles, here's some fraction strips. Use whatever manipulative you want in order to access this high level content. So that's, that's what representation is, is and giving I can, students choice. I can, I, I feel like this is stuff that I do, but I feel like this might be and the the pillar, if you will, that might get a little scary for me. Um, Why? Because like, for instance, if I'm comfortable with my, I don't know, those, those blocks for teaching fractions, uh -huh. To bring something else in could be a little scary because what if I they ask me a question and I don't know? <laughs> uh, well, embrace it because it's going to be fun, right? That's when we learn. But I, I, I see your point. It's like, hey, I'm comfortable with these cubes. I'm going to yeah. use these cubes. And the cubes have worked for the past 20 years. So why wouldn't the cubes work today, right? Well, the thing is, what what about the kids for whom the cubes just aren't working. And that's where we need to kind of embrace the gray area, embrace that that unknown zone where the kids may indeed ask us questions about a, a manipulative that we don't know how to use, we don't know how to answer. Right. Um, but boy, this is for the, it's for the, the kids benefit, right? Not our benefit. Right. And so this, uh, embrace the gray is is really what I keep telling my teachers but and here's my thought on another thought on that is if I'm providing cubes but the but the student needs pattern blocks so I give the student pattern blocks well her I think the quality of her questions when she starts asking me for help I think the quality of her questions is going to be elevated and she's going to be able to ask better questions because she's now asking questions from a point of view of manipulatives that are familiar or comfortable to her that are working for her. Mm -hmm. And so her question is going to be more easily answered by me because it's going to be an elevated question. It's going to be a thoughtful, I don't know, meaningful question. That makes total sense because they're more clear and confident with the manipulative or the the way that they've chosen to explain it to you than 
their questions will be richer. I that that makes sense. Indeed. Now, I may be just blowing smoke here, but I, I really I I haven't had students when I'm giving students choice in terms of manipulatives. I I don't know. I've never had students ask me questions that I couldn't answer in any more frequent of a degree than any other day. Right. right? Students are always asking me questions that I don't know the answers to immediately. And, yeah, me too. Uh, I mean, that's why I like Google so much. Yeah. And I have no problems telling the kid, great question. I have no clue. <laughs> let me tweet it. Right. And, well, you know, it's like, yeah, we'll get back to you. Or let um, me let me text Dwayne and maybe he has an idea. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so we finish off the, the podcast strong. What is the last um, stage or uh, principle of UDL? You got it. So the last principle is action and, and expression. I think earlier I just said expression. So expression is where we are allowing our students to express what they know. So they get to choose how they're going to express what they know. And they and at that same time is when they express, they get to express what they know, right? So some examples of, of providing variety in expression is you allow students to act out the problem or use online tools, because maybe the physical manipulatives aren't working, but you allow them to use Desmos or GeoGebra. Um, maybe allow students to do an oral presentation on how to add those fractions um, where they can talk it through by standing with you at the whiteboard instead of doing 15 questions on a quiz have them stand next to you they may want to just do an, a one-on-one -on -one interview with you where they demonstrate on a whiteboard that they know so uh, using seesaw to record something on video there's just tons of these variety of ways for students to express their understanding Hmm. And those are the three pillars. And it, the real important thing as we wrap this up is, is for teachers to understand that UDL isn't this new idea that they have to go to a conference and learn about any more, anything more than understanding that there's these three principles, uh, engagement, representation, and expression, and that we want teachers to start thinking of their classrooms as a buffet and providing choice for our students whenever possible. And when the choice isn't possible, at least be mindful of the fact that you as the teacher need to insert that variety into the classroom. Be aware, have I been sitting, have I had the kids sitting in rows for too long? Good, let's spice that up by having them come to the floor or go to the 360 math at the walls. Let's be intentional about providing those varieties in the three different principles, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not a whole lot of new work. It's just being mindful about how we do the stuff that we already do. What do you think? I love it. I My head is definitely full. Um, <laughs> it is one of those thoughts for me that, sorry, my cats. Um, <laughs> If you heard that, um, I did. <laughs> one, um, it's it's one of those thoughts for me that seems really big, but the way you explained it, it it seems doable, um, and I think it's one of those conversations that you and I need to have again in order to maybe start implementing it with my team, um, without you know handing them over a large book or 
a website that's like a rabbit hole that they'll end up having to spend hours on. Indeed. In fact, okay, here's a way to wrap up. What's your Twitter? Hmm. At PeleLover1. <laughs> okay, my Twitter is <laughs> at dhabecker. So here's what we could do. Uh, people who are listening, it would be nice if they could tweet us a question. Like, hey, here's a question about UDL. And these questions will help us do a future conversation on UDL. What do you think? I love it. I love it. And I want to encourage people who really do know UDL on an intimate basis. If we said something that is totally off to tweet us and say, hey, um, look into this and, you know. I'm, I'm with you because <laughs> I'm, I'm expecting lots of tweets because I feel like I got a, a very tenuous grasp on this UDL thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Maggie, thank you. Thank you. And I'll talk to you next week. What do All you right. Think? Have a good one. All right. I'll see you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.